Welcome to the worship services of Grace United Methodist Church. I, I usually say it's a brisk morning, but it's cold out there. Uh, so welcome to Grace United Methodist Church on this cold Sunday morning. We're glad you're here with us this morning. We have a number of efforts underway to make sure that you know what's going on here at Grace. We are still sending out our newsletter every weekday during Monday through Friday with different instances for each one. The pastor is still also doing a devotion at 3 o'clock each day. If you missed that devotion and you can't get to it online, it's, it's usually reprinted in the next day's email. So you have no excuse then to not get those devotions. If you're not able to receive email and you'd like to find out what's going on with those things, we will make sure that we get those things to you. If you'll call the church office and let us know, we'll get you on a list and maybe put those in snail mail or, or find a way to get that information to you so you'll know what's going on here at Grace. One of the things that is, has been sent out over the email over the last week has been our new newsletter. There's a, if you're not able to receive, again, the email and you did not receive the email about the, new, the new current newsletter, there are some copies in the Narthex. Those things are being sent out now as, as attachments and parts of emails that are going out during the week. So if you're not able to receive those and you'd like to see our nice full-color newsletter, there are some on the podium in the Narthex. If you are a member of the church council, if you're head of a, of a committee here at the church, we will be having a planning session this afternoon right after this service, starting about 11.15. Uh, we need you to come and give us your input and, and tell us about your acti activities for the year and make sure that we have them on the calendar. Typically, the meeting lasts for an hour or two, not, not much longer than two hours. But we need to make sure that your ministry, that the ones that you're responsible for, are on the calendar and we make sure that we have those things plotted in and ready to go. I did get a thank you from Maxine last week, uh, the overwhelming response to the things that she's been needing for the Hungry and Homeless Ministry. She has some additional needs. If you see Maxine after church, she'll tell you what the current needs are. But we had, a, again, a tremendous response to the last time we asked for donations, and we really appreciate Grace stepping forward and doing that. Staff Parish Committee will meet next Sunday uh, at 12.30 in the, in the fellowship hall. So, are there any other announcements to be made this morning? Well, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us prepare our hearts, our minds, and our spirits for worship.
Let us pray. <clears throat> Spirit of the living God, prepare us to answer your call. Guide us as we make decisions in our lives and strengthen us when the path is long and hard. Keep us open to your guidance as we continue to offer one another our support and as we listen for your call in our lives. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing together, Blessed Be the God of Israel, number 209 in the hymnal. It'll be on the screen. morning we say a special word of welcome to the children worshiping with us. We're glad to have you here in person and those who are at home with their families on this cold morning. Uh, and this Sunday we are talking about the call of the disciples in Mark's gospel. Now in Mark's gospel Jesus is walking along uh, beside the sea and sees some fishermen out fishing and calls them first. And then he sees some more fishermen uh, mending their nets. And so he calls them. And those were the first four disciples. It was Andrew and Simon and James and John who were those first four. And Simon's name eventually gets changed to Peter. So we have the first four disciples that are called. And now all of those men were fishermen. And so I brought this guy from... Um, 
my office. This is an old fishing reel uh, that was in my grandfather's barn, and um, I just kind of keep it to remember him a little bit and, uh, and to see it. It still works, though. Uh, he was a um, both of my grandfathers were fishermen, they uh, at least recreationally, uh, and, um, and so this old reel, it's got an old piece of um, not even what we would call fishing line anymore, uh, just an old piece of string is what it looks like to me, but an old school fishing line still on it, and it's still fairly good. You could probably put a hook on this and sit it on a fishing rod right there, and it would still work. Uh, pretty well. Um, the, the switch works. You can take it apart and clean it up a little bit, but I kind of like how it looks knowing uh, that all the spots on it are from the salt water and the dust in the barn and um, just keeping it how it is for a, a piece on my, on my bookshelf. But the point of that is that when we hear this story in Mark's gospel, we hear that Simon and Andrew were actively fishing. They were in the boat fishing when Jesus comes along and says, hey, y'all come follow me. Uh, You don't need to do that anymore. Um, I need you to follow me. And then James and John are actually in their boats on the shore mending their nets. They're engaged in the work of preparation. Their nets, they didn't have fishing reels back then. They fished with nets that they drug uh, beside the boat and put out and scooped up as much as they could um, in one go. And so they, those nets were important because if they got holes in them, then the fish just swam right through and they didn't pull anything in. So they took the time after they fished to check for holes in the nets for broken places, weak spots, and then they painstakingly retied uh, the, the line that was the net between each one to make sure that it would hold for their next fishing trip. These were not recreational fishermen. These were not fishermen who weren't any good at what they did. They were there using the skills that they had probably honed over a lifetime because we hear that James and John were sons of Zebedee who was also a fisherman. They had been fishermen for their whole lives. They knew what they were doing. And in this moment, though, Jesus comes along and says, hey, y'all follow me instead. And they leave everything and follow Jesus to do something brand new. Now, sometimes uh, when we get the call from Jesus to do something, because we all get a call from Jesus to do something for the mission and ministry of the kingdom of God, Sometimes the call we get uses the skills that we already have, the talents that we're good at to serve in ministry and mission. But sometimes, like with these disciples, these fishermen on the seashore, the call you get is a call to do something you never would have dreamed you would have to do. (laughs) Something outside of your skill set, something outside of your comfort zone, something outside of what you anticipated for your life. And so, As we hear this story in a little bit, I want you to think about uh, what Jesus is calling you to do today. Because our call can change over time, too. Is it something that uses the skills that you've been equipped with to this point? Or is it to launch into something new that you've never done before? That you have to trust God to equip you for in the next phase, the next steps, the next chapter of your life. So let's be listening for that together as we hear the story, and as we uh, hear the word proclaimed through the sermon this day. Let's go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we 
give you thanks for the call that you give to each and every one of us, for the call that you've given us as a church, for the call to follow you in mission and ministry to the ends of the earth, to the ends of our community, into the world that you've set before us to share your good news in the person and work of Jesus. We ask that you would help us to answer the call, to know the ways in which you have equipped us or will equip us for the work ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, as we uh, continue in worship and go to God in prayer, a reminder that if you have prayer concerns that you want to share with the church uh, or with me, you can email those to me at pastor at gracecolumbia.org. We can put those in the prayer list in the bulletin, in our Sunday prayers, uh, as well as in our email that goes out on Thursday uh, that is devoted to prayer so that we can be reminded to pray together, uh, to pray about what's on all of our hearts and, um, and can continue to lift one another all throughout the week. Let's go to God in prayer this day. Holy One, what a blessing and a privilege we share here in this sacred space and among this loving community. But like Jonah, we sometimes are jealous of what we share here. We know that others are longing and thirsting for what we know and experience. Forgive us our reluctance to open our doors, open our hearts to others, some like us, some not. We repent of our hesitations and unwillingness to witness to those we have considered strangers and even enemies, for fear they just might become friends. This day, as we come in confession and listening for your call, we lift our family and friends, our community, our world to you in prayer, and we pray especially for the family and friends of Rebecca Moore, especially her mom Lydia. As Rebecca passed away recently, Lydia is a friend of the Merritts. We pray for Steve and Jody Webster, for George and Helena Fox, for Kitty Fashing, for Yvette Herring, for Janice O'Kane as she was hospitalized this week, is now in inpatient physical rehab, for Darlene Simpson, for Wade Thompson, for Judith Dolce, for Joyce and Daryl Sweeney, for Robert Riger, for Teresa Hinky, for Jenny Hinky, for Alan, a friend of the Smokes, for all the members of Grace and their families, for all those on our prayer concerns list, for a return to love, equality, acceptance, and justice, and for those prayer concerns that go unspoken on our hearts this day. O oh Lord, you call us to this place and call us to reconciliation through grace. And we know that you will not deny a repentant heart or an open spirit. This day, we trust and know that we are forgiven and strive to walk in the new way that is made known to us in your love. We pray all this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
who are able, please stand for the reading of the scripture lesson. This morning's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of the many challenges of being a Christian in the modern age is that the life of faith requires patience. There are a number of challenges to following Jesus in this current age that we live in, challenges that are much different than the challenges of those who went before us, those in the early church and throughout the centuries. But simply because those challenges are different uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they're any less challenging, right? Uh, And this particular challenge of being patient is one of the ones that has been consistent from the time of the early church through to today. You see, the linchpin of our hope in our faith in Jesus is that one day Jesus will return and usher in the fullness of the kingdom of God and our resurrection into that kingdom reality. That is what we hope for in the life of faith. That Jesus is going to come back and set all this aright. But the timeline for that reality is unknown. It's what we hope for. It's what we trust is going to happen. That one day Jesus will return in glory and usher in God's kingdom and and resurrect those who have died, including the saints gone by and those of us who may remain in the moment into the kingdom of God. That's our hope. But it has been the hope of Christians for 2,000 years. It's a hope that we don't know when the end date is. (laughs) We don't know when we're hoping for, only what we are hoping for. 
So as Christians, 2,000 years removed from the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that means that we have to live in the tension of waiting for Jesus to return and still somehow urgently working for the mission and ministry of the kingdom right now. It's easy. It's easy for all of us as disciples to just kind of be lulled into a sense of calm complacency when it comes to our mission and ministry by virtue of the fact that Jesus hadn't showed up yet (laughs) at its base. We've been 2,000 years waiting on Jesus to show up. Probably in our minds going, well probably not going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day. We can just take it easy. We don't have to do anything right now. We can wait and put that off till further down the road. That thing that Jesus might be calling us to do is like, ah, I got plenty of time. But because of the dissonance inherent in the challenge that it's been so long since Jesus promised he was coming back but still called us into this urgent ministry, because of that challenge, we convince ourselves that we don't have to have any urgency about what we do as disciples. And while this challenge of faith has some new wrinkles in our modern day, it is not, in fact, new to the people of God in Christ Jesus. It's not new that we fall into this pattern of complacency around our call and mission. In fact, we can feel the tension of that challenge to our faith in Mark's gospel and in many other books of the New Testament. Paul, over and over again in his letters, is urging the early church, all of those places he went, not to be complacent just because Jesus hadn't come back yet. Paul's writing like 30, 50, 60 years after Jesus was actually on the earth. Right there in the same era, Paul is writing to these churches, and still he's got to tell them, hey, y'all don't fall asleep. Wake up. It's time to go. And then we get a gospel like Mark's, where if you read through Mark's gospel, and I would encourage you to do so, I encourage you to read all the gospels if you hadn't done that yet, but um, if you've never tried before, sit down and just read Mark's gospel from beginning to end in one sitting. Depending on how fast of a reader you are, you can do it in about 30 minutes to an hour, maybe less, depending on how quickly you read. It goes so fast. Mark doesn't have time to wait on the hearer, to wait on the church, to get on board. Mark says, Jesus is on the move. Let's go. What are you waiting for? Why are you still sitting here listening to me? That's Mark's perspective. He built that urgency into the gospel. And we think that he's probably one of the earliest gospel writers. But it's there already present just a few decades at most past when Jesus was crucified and raised. Already Mark is going, there's no time to wait. Get up and go. 
Mark doesn't let us sit and wait. But it's not just in the New Testament. It's not just there in the early church. We also see it throughout the tradition of the church. In the life of one of our great saints and thinkers, St. Augustine, we see the reality play out after the time of the New Testament writers. Augustine's mother was a Christian, but his father wasn't, right? He lived in this tension of the Greco-Roman world, growing up in, in Hippo and, and throughout that uh, Greek Roman Empire. And, and his mom was a Christian, but his dad wasn't. And their compromise about his upbringing was that they decided it was better not to baptize him as an infant or a child, instead, and instead let him be converted later, not so he could choose for himself in our modern conception of like, well, he can, we'll let him decide what he wants to be later. Uh, it was, no, that wasn't the reason. The reasoning was so that if he wanted uh, and knowing the society that he lived in and, and what his dad kind of wanted him to be in the world so that he could sow his wild oats and do whatever he wanted to for as long as he wanted to and then be baptized and be sure he had salvation. That was their thought process. Right? That's what they were thinking, according to Augustine. They didn't want him to be constrained by needing to follow in the way of Jesus and failing and, and then being in this position of having sinned so much knowingly. But as a relatively young man, much younger than his father envisioned, Augustine decided that there was no time to waste in following Jesus. Independent of what his parents wanted, what the world was telling him to do, because it wasn't an uncommon practice, this pattern that Augustine was in. Independent of all that, he decided there was no time to waste, so he was baptized and began his life as a theologian and pastor that has impacted the church for the centuries and millennia since. Augustine did this because he knew and believed what Jesus proclaims as the good news of God in our passage today in Mark, that the kingdom has come near. And Mark helps us to feel the urgency of this proclamation in his gospel better than all the others. The action between Jesus' baptism, wilderness temptation, and the beginning of his public ministry is so short that we cannot help but feel the power of the movement in Jesus' actions. You'll remember, we were still in chapter 1, like the first 11 or so verses uh, last week which was all of it was really 4 to 11 was the baptism of Jesus. This is verse 14. So 12 and 13 are and Jesus went to the wilderness and was tempted, he conquered that, now he's back. That was it. Done, gone, moving. And then we get these six verses and it's like, okay, and Jesus came, he proclaimed, he called the disciples and they went on and they were moving. So like, we don't have time for commentary. Well, y'all need to know this story and you need to get out there and proclaim it. That's what Mark is telling us. There's no time for rest. There's no time to stop. There's no time because this urgency that Jesus wants us to know, that Mark wants us to get, that the apostles and the saints and the pastors and the disciples that have gone before us knew, is that we have to figure out how to bring that urgency to life. 
And it gets transmitted further in our story by Jesus being ready to proclaim the kingdom into the disciples being ready to answer the call of mission and ministry with Jesus. That's how we know that this urgency moves, not just from Jesus' earthly ministry. It's not just Jesus going, I know I've only got one to three years here, guys, before they're going to get really mad and kill me, so we got to get these things done. No, it translates into the disciples before our eyes in this passage today. Jesus coming quickly and saying the kingdom has come near to calling the disciples shows us this movement of urgency from Jesus into his followers. Because as soon as Jesus has begun his public ministry, he calls Simon, Andrew, James, and John to be his disciples. As soon, according to Mark. But he doesn't go to the expected places to find disciples either. He goes to the sea and calls fishermen. The expected thing to do would have been to go to the city gates or the synagogues and ask those who were there engaged in the study of Scripture and deep conversation about the the depth of life and what it all means to to go there and say, Hey, y'all come be my disciples instead of sitting around and just jawing with one another. That was where you would have gone if you were like, oh, I think I could be a teacher. I'll go find some people who want to learn from me. But that doesn't communicate the urgency of the work of the kingdom. Instead, by going to the seaside and calling fishermen who were engaged in the work of fishing, they weren't hired hands. We hear that Zebedee had some hired hands, right? They weren't hired hands. They weren't guys that were just there uh, because they were getting a paycheck. They weren't unemployed, sitting on the shore, waiting for someone to offer them a job. They weren't just Jesus walking by, oh, y'all need something to do? Y'all come follow me. That's That's not who Jesus called in this passage. They were in their boats casting their nets into the water and mending their nets to get ready for the next cast. They were employed and engaged in their craft and trade, one they had likely been equipped to do by long hours casting and mending nets, developing the muscle memory and skill needed to be good at the job. That's a piece that maybe gets lost on us, that mending nets is a tedious <laughs> kind of a, a weaving. You're sitting and looking for a, I, I don't know if, I, I got to, always thrown a cast net for a long time in my life, but got to go shrimping this past season uh, with uh, my brother-in-law a few times, another family, and and your cast net, it's not the same as the nets they have, it'll get holes in it. And if you were to try to go back and find all those little holes and then tie them up again, hours and hours of work using those fine motor skills. But I'll tell you one thing. After you have thrown a cast net for an hour, you start to get sore. I don't know if you know this or not, but boats, they don't stay stable. <laughs> uh, and so you're... you're rocking and moving and throwing this weighted net because the nets, even the nets they used would have to have been weighted at the bottom. And then their, their nets were thread 
uh, you know, some kind of a thread that would have soaked up water. You know what that means? It means when you throw it at first, it feels light, and by the time you throw it at the last, it feels way heavier. It's like filling a towel up with water and going, yep, now I'm going to throw this 500 times. These men in these boats had been developing the muscle memory and skill needed to do this job that they were doing. And Jesus comes along. He could have gone somewhere else, but he comes along and he says, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. And on hearing Jesus call them, they all got up, left their nets, and followed Jesus. The nets they were throwing, the nets they were mending, they got up and they followed Jesus. And not just their nets. But in James and John's case, we're told they left their father sitting in the boat with the hired hands as well. They could have said, hold on, Jesus. Let us keep casting for a while to see if we can get a good catch. Then we'll give some of the profit from what we catch to your ministry. They could have said, give us a little more time to keep fishing. We'll catch up with you later when we feel a little more secure in life. We'll fish for a few months more and build up a reserve cash before we get on the road. Or they could have said, let us finish mending this net for dad and then we will follow. Or even let us make sure dad has the staff he needs before we go. They could have said any of those things. But instead, they left their nets, their businesses, their family, and they followed Jesus. They left their nets. Nets that required mending and strength to use appropriately nets that they had poured time and effort and energy into. <laughs> nets that they had worked and worked with. They left their nets and followed Jesus. They knew in that moment that there was nothing more important than what Jesus was offering them. Nothing. That there didn't need to, I don't know, pack their nets up, take them home, make sure they'd be there when the ministry ended, just in case. It's a contingency plan. They knew there was nothing more important than what Jesus was offering them. Can we here today say the same? 
as a church, as individuals, can we say the same? What nets in your life have you left when Jesus called you? What skills, muscle memory, what things that you poured time, attention, and effort into, poured money into, did you leave because you felt the call of Jesus to do something different? As a church, are we telling Jesus Just give us a few more chances to do this the way we always have. And if it doesn't work, then we'll try it your way. Let us throw this net a few more times, Jesus. Just give us a little more time to mend it up. I'm sure there's a hole we've missed. And then this old net will work just as well. I know you've called us to leave the nets and follow you, but just give us a little more time with the nets. Let's see. Mark makes it pretty clear that there's no time for the nets. The urgency of the gospel demands that they be left behind. So, what nets are we still dragging? Maybe across the land, hoping to catch fish. What nets do we refuse to let go of? Because when we look at Mark's gospel, the call of Jesus requires us to leave the nets. Let us pray. Almighty God, forgive us when we confuse our busy action throwing the nets with following you in mission and ministry. When we forget that your call is the most important thing we can do. Help us to have the courage and the boldness to name our nets, to let them go, and to take our next step in mission and ministry with you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, who calls us even now from the shore. Amen. I invite you to stand and join with me as we affirm our faith using the Apostles' Creed. It's number 881 in the hymnal, and it will be on the screen. I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. some options on how to present this in worship and so this morning we are going to sing it stanza refrain alleluia refrain stanza alleluia refrain and on the second stanza the women of the choir are going to sing the alleluia refrain with us as a desk prepare to give back to God out of all that God has so graciously given to us. A reminder about our giving options at Grace. You can give online using a credit or debit card uh, at our website, gracecolumbia.org. You'll find the giving page. You can set up an account or give as a guest. You can make a one-time gift either of those ways 
or you can set up a recurring gift as an account holder. If you brought your offering with you, we invite you to place it in the offering plate uh, in the narthex as you depart. If you didn't have a chance to place it there as you arrived to worship this morning, um, you can always mail your offering to the church or drop it by the church office during hours or after hours. But if you are mailing it to the church or dropping it off after hours, please just give us a heads up as we uh, have a a different kind of schedule um, with volunteers checking the mail and making sure that uh, we can retrieve that as, uh, as we know it's coming. So that helps us to, to be sure that your offering makes it in the doors. So thank you for that. Um, I, before worship, Felicia Presley asked me to let y'all know that um, if you have uh, or feel inclined to donate yarn, um, she's got uh, someone who's making warm hats in this season. Um, and uh, so if you know somebody or have a stash of yarn uh, somewhere or see a sale and want to pick that up and, um, and bring it uh, to the church for Felicia, she'll be able to get that to the person making the hats and they can get to folks who uh, need them. And so we, uh, we appreciate that very much. And let's go to God in prayer. Generous God, we ask you to bless the gifts we give this morning. We ask that you help grow the trust in us so that we might follow without looking back. We might leave behind more of our old lives to experience more deeply new life in you. Help us to leave our nets on the shore and leave those things that seemed essential before we heard the call. So that we might travel the road you have put before us. In the name of Christ who goes before us and beside us we pray. Amen. Take my life and let it be.
Our mission at Grace is to know Jesus and to make him known to others. Beloved disciples, go forth today in the assurance that whether you answer the first time, the second time, or the hundredth time, God never stops calling, never stops guiding, and never stops forming you because God's love never fails. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you.